someone referred to an NFT as a digital asset. And like that description of an NFT just clicked like that made it click for me. And, and then I understood what the block, like how the blockchain proved ownership and why there was value in this digital asset. Like something about non-fungible token was just like really confusing to me, no matter how many times it was explained, but, but digital asset, like, like nailed it. Hello, investors. This is Michael with Investorly, a trusted source of Web3 information at the intersection of financial education and opportunity. We empower you to invest early. In episode 27, we welcome Julie Pacino, photographer, filmmaker, NFT artist, and collector. We learn how Julie got started in the space, hear more about her style, and take questions from the community. To stay informed of upcoming episodes, receive our valuable weekly newsletter, and learn to earn by subscribing to Investorly at investorly.substack.com. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. So without further ado, uh, this is the first time we've both been in the co-host seat uh, and, and all of us here. And welcome to a conversation with uh, Julie Pacino. Thank you for joining us. Hey, guys. It's good to be here. Um, it's, yeah. it's good to have you. You know, I, I'm like, I've been going nonstop all day and I literally just sat down at my desk. So I'm, I'm like trying to adjust to not being on the go and it feels nice. So I'm, I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Well, well, let's just take the next 40 minutes and let you know, this is the time to relax, have some fun and enjoy yourself. No pressure. Uh, just love to hear from you. And the irony here is that I know I've spoken to you before. We talked about both being LA-based. You're West Hollywood, I'm Hollywood. Danny is West Hollywood, so you guys are right next to each other, but it's an LA conversation this evening uh, here on A Conversation With. And to just get us kicked off and started, why don't you tell us about your investing background and maybe your first investment ever? I think my first investment ever was into myself, right? Like, is it like technically, I guess the first thing I ever invent, invested in is, is, is myself. Um, no, I, I mean, like, I, I don't even know if I consider myself an investor as much as I do a collector because like my vision, especially in this space is so long-term. So I'm truly just gravitating towards and making purchases, um, of things that I, I just, like and I, I that long term, the value of those things will increase because I consider myself the audience, and I and so I I assume that once this space opens up to the rest of the world, and there's just an influx of of a ton of people that that the artists that I've collected um, will be the ones you know remaining, and and people will hopefully gravitate towards them. Um, you know, I'm really. I'm an artist. So that's why I say like my first investment ever was like, I don't know, maybe the first camera that I bought myself, um, you know, investing in, in the tools that I need that I use to make my artwork, um, is, is where my mind's at. And then just like from a collector standpoint with photography or artwork in the space and, and even filmmakers, um, in the space and outside of the space, I, I, I really just invest in people, I guess, is, is like also an answer to that question. It's just, I, 
if I see a spark inside someone that um, I, indicates that they're going to be successful because they're not going to stop until they succeed, like that's such a rare quality. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to have it and I am able to therefore like identify it in other people. You can just tell there's, we all know those people that just are great to work with because you know that there's no they're never going to give up. It's just, there's always like, if, if you hit a problem, it's like, all right, wh- what are we going to do to fix this? And, and, um, that's really ultimately what makes a great producer, but also I think it's what makes a great artist is, um, is, is having the sort of willpower to, to grind it out and to keep going. Um, so I've, I've become pretty good at identifying that in people. Um, and yeah, that's, that's ultimately like what I base my, investments on if in addition to just being a fan of really cool artwork invest early in yourself wow julie you sound you sound like an investorly ambassador already already i mean you you just summed that up like i wish i had said it in that's in that in that succinct of a way and so like yeah that was that was perfect i'd like to go on record and be quoted as saying it exactly like that please Okay, maybe we can uh, change our voices around a little bit. Uh, Technology's come a long way. Um, But yeah, that's actually the investorly slogan or motto, uh, investorly in yourself. So uh, that's really cool that you do that as well. Um, But I wanted to uh, dive into NFTs. And um, my questions to you are, what was your first NFT purchase? And sometimes it's the same, sometimes it's not. The other question is, what was your aha moment when it came to NFTs and the potential of what NFTs can bring to you? My first purchase was from um, an uh, an artist, a, a, a photographer who I had found on Instagram, uh, not on Twitter, because at the time I wasn't really active on Twitter, but um, his name is Carter Barron, and he's a photographer from Canada, somewhere in Canada, I think, I think Ontario, but I'm not exactly sure. And um, I had seen him post that he was he was like doing a NFT drop. And the thing I love about Carter's work, like aside from it, it just being beautiful photography is that he on his Instagram would all, whenever he'd post a photo, he would also post like the before and after, and then that showed how he edited the photos and what he did to the color palette and what lens he used and what aperture he shot at. And so I just really loved the, openness because I there's so many artists and photographers specifically that are very like secretive about that kind of stuff and I just like think I think that card willingness to share that information like it just felt very web three to me like there's no like it just felt hey like if someone can learn something from this that's awesome because like we all we can all go up at the same time um so that's really really why I, I wanted to collect from him first and and again like his artwork is just insane so um so it was really great and then yeah so he was my first that was the first nft that i ever collected um and then i got i got a pfp because it's just like i i I was i figured in order to be like officially in on nfts i had to change my profile picture um to a cartoon and so i did that um and then like i guess my aha moment with nfts was there were like two there was one mini one and then there was like the the big whammy like I so when I was 
in the process of putting together my Genesis drop. I live here now, uh, which we dropped last August. I guess it was like a couple months out. Someone referred to an NFT as a digital asset. And like that description of an NFT just clicked. Like that made it click for me. And, and then I understood what the block, like how the blockchain proved ownership and why there was value in this digital asset. Like something about non-fungible token was just like really confusing to me, no matter how many times it was explained, but, but digital asset, like, like nailed it. And then when I did my drop, just the immediate, you know, warm welcome that I got from everyone who was collecting my work and the conversations that I was having around my work and then the artwork that I was discovering, you know, a lot, there were a lot of awesome photographers that collected my work. And, and so then they, they talked to me about my art and I, I go to their page and see their art. And I'm like, wow, this is, I've never seen this much artwork by this many like cool people that are accessible and, and chill and just down to geek out over the medium. So the photography, you know, uh, you've spoken about it and you yourself, photography kind of gets you into the idea of the NFT and the digital asset idea. Talk about what uh, attracted you to uh, photography, how long you differ and, uh, you know, that evolution of your photography uh, in general. Yeah, I mean, I always I always took photos. Uh, I, I'm a, I have a filmmaking background, but photography, and I've been taking photos since <laughs> my dad actually has a, fr- a framed picture that I took of a lamp when I was like five years old. He's just like, this is brilliant. I don't know how, how good it is. I haven't seen it in a while, but it's, it's like hung up in his den. Um, so I've like always been fascinated by visual mediums, like specifically film, but definitely photography as well, just because it's so much more immediate. Even even when you shoot on film, it's you know, it's not it doesn't take as long as making a movie. Um, so I've always been taking photos, and and even in my filmmaking process, when I'd have rehearsals, uh, I would use the use a still camera as a way to get everyone comfortable and to start doing sort of like proof of concept uh, staging and shot listing and and storyboarding, mood boards, like I always have used photography as a tool to just keep my creativity flowing. And I guess really over the past year and a half, um, I started doing it in a very serious professional way. It's just the result of like one of my best friends seeing my photos, encouraging me to post more on in Instagram because I wasn't at the time. I, I was very turned off by social media and he was just like, dude, just post just post three times a week and see what happens. And after doing that for like about a month, I was just getting all sorts of opportunities and, and, you know, he wound up becoming my manager and like booking me brand gigs and album covers and and all sorts of things. And and we just started really cooking and, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in following the path of least resistance. And when something is taking off, like, even if you're, you know, at the time I was like all in on, this feature film that I wanted to make, but like the photography stuff was taking off. And so I just like, I just followed, um, I just followed it because it was what was flowing. And, and, um, and yeah, so I, I started doing it professionally and then that kind of led into my Genesis collection. Cause I took, I took these photos at the Madonna Inn 
that inspired the script for a new feature film. And those photos like weren't, I, I didn't take those like quote unquote professionally. Like I just went there with a light and my friends and just kind of like mused and played around. But like at that point, my eye had sort of become more refined and I had made investments into myself. I had gotten some like, you know, like legitimate professional equipment. And I, I was, I was really, um, just like kind of eating, drinking, sleeping and breathing photography. So the, the, um, the photos, those are like at, at, I don't know. I, I say at the time, but I kind of feel like just across the board, like the, the, those photos are, are the best, some of the best work that I've ever done. Um, and yeah, then, then like all of a sudden I had these digital assets that had value in the NFT space. And I started making money on my artwork, which was truly a first, like I, 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 I have a film background. I, I would work producing gigs and stuff, but like, and even the brand gigs with the photography were like fun, but it wasn't like full, full on artwork. And so like, that's just a testament to how great this space is. There's, there's like four different follow-ups I wanted to go to as I'm just listening to you. Cause I want to get into uh, the, the film I live here now and keepers of the inn and all of it. But, but that, that comment right there about you were making money selling your art. What was that feeling like that first kind of few that you, you made money on? Uh, Cause I think there's a lot of people that have had some similar feeling where, Oh my God, this is, this is new. This is different. I'm an artist and I'm actually making money doing this uh, in, in a different way. Was there a certain type of feeling or emotion that came through to you at that, at that moment that you kind of remember? I mean, yeah, it's like literally one of the best feelings in the world. I remember Drop saying to my friend Will Savas, who helped really onboard me into this space, like I remember telling him, we minted our, those photos at point two, which at the time was like close to $700. And I remember like almost laughing in his face, just being like, dude, like really? And, 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 and just thinking like, if we sell like five to 10, that will be an, uh, a miracle. And then we sold out in under 30 minutes, a hundred of them. And so like, it was, it was humbling and invigorating and honestly really validating. Like I've said this before, web two, we as artists are conditioned to think that our artwork has no value in, in even though deep down we kind of, we feel like it does and that, and like it should and so, yeah, like it when when that happened, it was just such a surreal moment that really just gave me such a boost of confidence as an artist. And so, I that's part of why I love, you know, our initiative, Cult of Pink, which is to we, we purchase from at least one artist, woman, or LGBTQIA plus uh, per week who hail, just because it's like we want to spread that feeling because of how addictive it is. And then because of how like addictive in a sense that like, once you feel it, you want to feel it more and you want other people around you to feel it. And it be, it becomes this like real ripple effect. Like truly that, 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 um, that stuff can spread so fast. So, so yeah, it's, it's gosh, it's such a great, such a great feeling. I just got a bid last night on my super rare piece and it's like every time it happens, it it's the exact same feeling. It's, it's just, it's, it is just like the warmest hug you could imagine. That's fantastic. And it is pure validation, I'm sure, to, to realize that somebody else also appreciates what you time, uh, the blood, sweat, and tears that you've put into something. 
uh, and also the creative process that you've put into something, whether it's photography or digital art or something. I mean, it's just, wow, I'm sure it's an amazing feeling. Um, but I wanted to ask you a little bit about the evolution of uh, Keepers of the Inn, how it, how it kind of evolved from uh, doing your photography at uh, the Madonna Inn and now becoming uh, a film. Can you talk about that, um, the creative process behind that and also um, just what are the steps that are involved? And, and this is, I just see this as a massive disruptor, possibly in the film industry. So I was just curious the, the origin story of that. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely turning the film industry on its on its uh, on its head, and you know, the process was like super organic. I, I know, like a lot of people in this room have heard me talk about it to, to no end. So, like, it, it's you know, but really, it is. It, it was such a magical journey to take those photos, to drop them as a, a one hundred piece collection, and then to just be so inspired by the conversations I was having around the artwork, to then go and like crank out a new draft, take that draft to the Madonna Inn with a, a, a whole new set of casts and, and, and just disappear for three days and, and take even more photos now inspired by the script um, and then be able to like drop a, a large scale collection, 3,400 photos, Keepers of the Inn, um, and, and, then, and then be able to sell that out and, and green light my movie. It's just like every step of the way... Um, has been just so invigorating and and really honestly organic. Like it's just this movie is so much bigger than me and it feels like it truly has a life of its own and it's kind of just telling me how it wants to be made and and including like everything to the on the business side as well. Amazing. So so I want to pause here cuz there was one thing I caught there about the movie. I live here now uh, based around your uh, collection 3,356 photog uh, photographs by you at the Madonna Inn. Uh, you said, you know, most of the people in this room have heard your story. Uh, but most of the people that are going to listen to this podcast maybe don't know you uh, or haven't heard the story. So definitely feel free to not feel like the people here are the only ones listening. And that's the important part, which we have... Uh, a ton of the Web2 people we want to bring into the Web3 space, which is why uh, I'm so thankful for you joining us tonight uh, and on the podcast. So let's dive into the Keepers of the Inn uh, set and collection and how it goes into I Live Here Now and what are like times that we're looking at, dates, what can we expect? Uh, you know, set the scene for your 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 film that you're essentially uh, doing in you know collaboration with the owners of your photographs. Yeah, I mean it's so like I'll, basically Keepers of the Inn. Um, we dropped it in December, and like I mentioned, we took the screenplay. We went to the Madonna Inn, and we shot the 16 most pivotal scenes. Like I had the actors rehearse those scenes and I just took photographs for three straight days. And in the process of taking those photographs, I got new ideas for this next rewrite that I'm, that I'm now almost finished with. But I came out of there with a, with a ton of photos that I was, that I, that I was and am really, really proud of. And so, um, that was, that was kind of like, the hard part. And then once we had assets, my partner, my creative partner, Kyle and I started building a roadmap and getting excited about utility beyond just 
using these tokens as a means to get our movie finance, we started thinking about innovative ways in which we could uh, build community, in which we could onboard more underrepresented voices into the space, more filmmakers into the space. And so we have we, we came up with just like a laundry list and it was so fun doing. I mean, it was a lot of work and it took a while, but it was so much fun just like thinking creatively about all the really cool things that we could do. Um, I guess the most, the, the sort of two most exciting things are one being the, the filmmakers grants program that we launched in conjunction with this. So uh, we're, we are opening up submissions. Submissions are open right now until July 1st for any woman or LGBTQIA plus artist to submit a short form concept and our community will vote and select a top 10. And then those, those top 10 will be given uh, some ETH and, and asked to go off and write some short scripts. And then those scripts will be read and voted on by our community. And there will be a top three, uh, top three prizes who will get their films completely financed, co-produced by me. And then ultimately those short films we minted and curated as a part of a special Keepers of the Inn short film drop. Uh, short films are really important to me. I've made a bunch of them, which have enabled me to feel comfortable directing a feature. And I think that there's a lot of room in Web3 to make short films profitable and to, to give short filmmakers a chance to like be able to make their money back and then roll it into a, a new production. And so we're really excited about that aspect. And then as it pertains to I Live Here Now, you know, my movie, the now that we're funded, the community, the, the holders of these Keepers of the Inn tokens will get to participate in the process of making the movies, specifically the creative process, where once I'm done with this new draft, people will be able to read it. Uh, we'll have a token-gated login section of our website where people can check out the script. And then every couple weeks, we have a town hall meeting where we talk about where I'm at with the script. Um, I open it up for people to ask me questions about what certain things mean. And that's just tremendously helpful for me and my creative process to be able to talk about the choices that I'm making all time and be able to explain the intention behind every single thing that's in that script, which will ultimately make the movie better. Um, and then, you know, of course, there will be instances in which, like, I'll narrow something down to, you know, should, should the character wear this dress or that dress? Here's why this dress is cool because it represents this emotional state. And here's why this dress is cool because it represents this. Like, what do you guys think would be best for this scene and kind of get a vote going? In which case, like, we, we're, we're essentially having like a, a market screening before the movie has even been shot. And so, like, that, in, that involvement, uh, something I'm really pumped about because it's I, no one else is really doing it. And also it's just really fun. Like I, I'm, I'm such a nerd for the process. So like, I just, I really love talking to people that see my art and then have ideas of their own and like, and, and then using people as a soundboard to understand like what is coming across and what isn't, um, in, in the stuff that I'm making. So like, those are the two big utility items that we're the most excited about. And then of course, as we progress through pre-production into production, into post, like we're going to have people will get airdropped BTS photos, you know, first access, look at the trailer, 
Um, we've even talked about doing where like we do kind of like a Twitch live stream where with me and my editor throughout like an eight hour edit session because it's just for anyone that's not familiar with the editing a movie can get to see how like you you could spend an entire day on like a one minute section of a scene and and uh and I just like I don't know I, I that's the part of making movies that I love it's insane to love it it's sick we're sick filmmakers are sick but I, I just like I love that I love going over a scene over and over and over again and frame fun until it's just all those changes add up and now you've got something that's like refined so I'm really excited to peel back the curtain and and get my community involved in uh in all that Editing is for sure frame fucking. You are absolutely correct about that. there is no mistaking uh, edit. If anyone has ever edited any kind of you know film, commercial, uh, TV series, anything or web series, it is very uh, time intensive to put it <laughs> at the very least. Uh, you did answer all uh, all the questions that I had there in regards to um, the the structure, the creative structure that you were going to have with kind of like a multiple choice poll. When it's like, oh, what kind, what color dress should that this actress wear, this actor wear? Uh, how should the tone of it be? I was curious about that in, in regards to the structure, uh, kind of like a multiple choice on your, on every question. So there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of creative freedom, but it's also in a controlled environment, which is very very um, amazing uh, to say the least, because there's a lot of uh, turning wheels when you're creating any kind of film, whether it's a short film or or a full length feature. Um, but my uh, my question to you is, uh, let's call it trad film, I guess, the traditional financial or tra uh, traditional film industry, I should say. How has it been received? Uh, how what kind of feedback have you been got uh, been getting in regards to this? Because uh, this is uh, I I almost equate it to uh, the the successful play Sleep No More, where it's an interactive experience. If you're you're kind of a part of a play and you're a part of this movie, if you own an NFT. So what is the, um, the feedback you've been getting from people in the tra traditional finance, uh, film industry. Yeah, that's like such a such an astute observation on your part because we're actually working on developing something uh, that I wish I could talk about, but um, but that in, involves sort of like the sleep no more uh, concept, but taking place at the Madonna Inn and with some of the characters from my movie. So that's kind of like long-term big picture down the line stuff that's being developed. But like, it, absolutely, that's the vibe. Like, I, I love, I don't know if anyone saw Donnie Darko, but like they, that movie really changed my perspective as a filmmaker and, and the marketing behind that movie and the sort of um, gamification that they did where there was like this really mysterious website that you could go to and, you could find out, you know, clues about what things in the movie meant that were unclear. And I'm like really, really into kind of like bring the lines between art and reality. It's, it's that stuff just like really is so fun for me as an artist and as a consumer audience uh, member. Um, but in terms of the film, the traditional film world, like, I don't know, there's a lot of people who kind of didn't understand what I was talking about when I said I wanted to go and make a movie this way and there were also a lot of people that rolled their eyes at it and so now like there are like some of those folks are like oh there's money to be made can you help me make that money and I, and I'm still at the point where I'm trying to get people to understand that it's not like 
like you need to like, yes, I think that there's room for every, a lot of people to make money in this space, but like, first you need to figure out why, like, what is your message? Why are you doing it as NFTs? Like, what is, what is the point? And so, um, I can't answer that for someone else about their project. Like I can't, I can't represent your project. Like you, you need to be at the forefront, um, talking about your artwork and talking about why you're doing the thing that you're doing. And that's what I, that's how this space functions and for better or for worse. Right. Because it's like, it, it connects the artist directly to the consumer and to, to our audience. But that means that doesn't mean it's easy. That doesn't mean it's just like, Oh, cool. Now you'll just buy it. It's like, well, that one could argue that it makes it more challenging because now I have to like represent this for myself. I can't hide behind anything. And I really need to under, like, I need to know what the fuck I'm talking about when I'm explaining to people like why I've done this thing and why I, you should need your money for it. Um, and so like there, that's still a disconnect, at least with the traditional film people that, um, I've dealt with is there's just this kind of like outside looking in mentality of like, Oh, that was so quick. Can we just like snap our fingers and have that same success? And it's like, I, I put like months and months and months of work into planning the putting thought into this project. It's, and so I know from the outside, it looks like, Oh, you know, 296 ETH in three weeks, like, wow. Or even some other projects that are like a thousand ETH in 24 hours. It's just like, but there's so much work that goes in before that point. And like, for some reason, um, the traditional film people that I'm in touch with just like, don't want to accept that. Well, I think, uh, I don't remember the exact saying, but I think it's, uh, you know, at first they laugh at you, then they're angry. And then uh, finally they have to accept. And I think that you know, uh, obviously, the the film industry has gone through a big evolution just in a short amount of time, over 20 years. I mean, we've gone from network television now, uh, or then cable became really popular, which like Breaking Bad, et cetera, and now streaming. So streaming is actually getting a lot more popular than um, just uh, traditional network shows or, or even cable. And they're having to make their own kind of platform, which kind of leads me to my next question. It's really difficult getting anything, you know, quote, greenlit in in uh, the film industry or getting a series picked up or shooting a pilot. Um, I was just listening to a, a podcast, a writer's podcast, a screenwriter's podcast in regards to now it's more difficult than ever, it seems, to actually get something greenlit as a screenwriter. You don't have to have just a, a pilot. Now you have to have the entire series, possibly a couple seasons. You have to know exactly who you have in mind in regards to the the cast. Do you see this uh, you're creating now? Do you see this in the coming years as um, a really viable source in actually uh, getting a movie made in uh, kind of this crowdsourcing uh, mentality? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, uh, the market is volatile, and but it. it in the long run, like it's, this is the way, you know, I mean, it, everything is moving towards this, this, everything is going in this direction. And so I have no doubt that it's, that it's viable. And I think that the beauty of it is getting, n not having to have all that shit figured out so you can try to sell like all, all you just mentioned that needs to be in place for some executive to decide that you can go make your art is a little easy. And I think it's outdated. And I, I don't think that there's enough space given 
for artists to talk about their intention and how they want something to feel. It's like, who gives a shit who's in it if it feels great? I mean, look at Squid Game. It's just like, it, it, it's, you know, it should be about the artwork and first, at least. Like, yes, let's let's cast it and, and you know, do whatever makes sense for the for the art. But um, but I think that this space is is really like art first and then the rest. And and, you know, I genuinely believe that that's where we're headed, because if we're not headed there, we're headed somewhere very dark and apocalyptic. And so, like, it's up to us who are all at the forefront of this revolution to, like, really carry that weight and um, and press forward, like, even even in volatile times. Art first and then the rest. Uh, I quoted you. I'm saving it. You've got some good quotes this uh, this evening here, Julie. Um, I know we have just a little bit more time left. And, and because of that, I want to make sure that uh, if you are here with us listening and you want to ask a question of Julie, uh, you can request and uh, we will get your question answered uh, right here. Uh, Danny likes to wrap us up with rapid fire uh, and we could go for a lot longer, but we are here on a time crunch. And so we want to make sure to give anyone a chance that's listened. Uh, just request and you can get a question or two in right now. But uh, my last question, and only because I have a lot of questions, but we'll have to save them for a future conversation is just this, because we've talked a lot about your experiences. You've dropped a lot of wisdom and just some uh, almost uh, experiences that you've had that can also play for anyone listening to this uh, and they may relate. Have you had uh, a mentor uh, at any point that helped you or empowered you? And what do you say uh, to anyone out there feeling like they're listening to this and they're inspired? Uh, Just a quote. Have I had a mentor? I mean, I feel like I've had a lot of mentors. Yeah. And I've had people who really fucked me over that wound up being mentors in a sense. Cause I've like, I learned, I've learned from those experiences. Um, I think there's, there's like always every single day is an opportunity to learn more and grow. And I think anyone that's listening to this, that's inspired, inspired, I mean, just, uh, just go start making stuff. Like uh, there's a lot of times as creators or, or people who are, haven't created yet, but want to start creating, like, there's just this, like a lot of thinking goes on of, well, I got to find the right thing. And what if I do this? And, but like, really the best thing to do is just to go, just to pick up a camera or whatever your medium is, a fucking paintbrush and like, just go do it and experience it. And, and you'll learn so much more than just sitting around thinking about what it would be like. I guess that's kind of, that's kind of, that applies to life in general, right? I get, it's like just so easy to get caught up in your thoughts. And so if you're, if you're thinking about doing something, then you've made the decision, go, just go do it. Just go try it. Like, like there's literally nothing to lose. I love it. That's, that's helpful. All right, we have a question here from chasgold.eth.tez. I think that's the first time I've seen <laughs> Tez. <laughs> but I, I, I just started using object again, like recently. There's much like Tez stuff going on. 
And the first yeah. time I've, I've seen one, hundreds of hours of spaces. I haven't seen a dot de- a dot tez, but we'll take it. Uh, yeah, a lot of you, a lot of people are doing like dot eat dot tez now because they're on both platforms. So there, there you go. Well, thank you for being here on a conversation yeah. with. Uh, have a question. Go for it. Yes. Um, my question is: is what do you? What was it like to going from the transition? What inspired you to go from like from photography to film? Because like I've been doing photography also for like thirty one years, and like I. I've always wanted to get into video and get into film. Like what inspired you? Like what, how's that transition been? I I'm a little bit backwards because I started off as a filmmaker and then I actually transitioned into photography. And so, you know, yeah, like I, I, I always took photos as a hobby, but then I, but, but, but then I started doing it professionally just because it's such an intriguing medium because of the length of time. But I think, listen, like going from photography to, to movies as a, as someone who's done it, especially for 30 years, 30 plus years, um, is so exciting because you, you're, you are essentially, you can make a a movie is just a bunch of pictures stitched together. And so there's (laughs) a great YouTube channel called every frame, every frame of painting. And, um, this guy that like breaks down movies and, and us, you know, filmmaking technique, uh, I would recommend checking that out. But like, it's, I, I wish I was a photographer first because since, since becoming a more sort of full-time photographer, my, my eye has just gotten so much better. It gets a little keener when it comes to like video, like I watch movies sometimes and like, but they could have done that better. And like, I'm like the critic in the background, you know what I mean? Like picking apart the movie, the lighting and like, (laughs) like, the framing and stuff it's kind of funny yeah for sure and and like it's been it's been cool too though like going into photography with the filmmaking background because i run my photo shoots like i run a a set and so there's like this very sort of atmospheric tension and it and i really create the scene and i talk with my subjects about the character that they're playing and the backstory and so like I, i remember like one of my first brand shoots like doing that and and everyone's just like what the fuck is going on like why is everyone having so much fun on the set and (laughs) i was just like i don't know like isn't this how you do isn't this like how we do it uh and and so it's it's just media and i also don't do like i don't do sync flash or anything like i I, everything is continuous lights on my sets and i try to like really preserve that cinematic value yeah, I started off with with, with with continuous light always. Like that's I, that's I guess I I learned I learned how to do photography from like in the early eighties, early early nineties. So it's like it was all about continuous lighting. It wasn't about like flash lighting yet. And then I I didn't learn flash lighting until probably like ten years ago. That when I when, when I went to digital film, digital cameras I, from from film. That's when I learned started learning about like sync sync flash. Yeah, I, and I feel like that's I I, I need to. I have to like read the textbook on that at some point and, and try it just to be able to have tried it. But like it, when shooting film, which is what my preference is, um, continuous, continuous light is just so much fun. And like yeah. film is so forgiving. Like you can, it's just, there's no, like you, it's really hard. I miss, um, I miss shooting film. Actually. Yeah. I, I try to I really I do, do it whenever I can, because it's just like, it's like hard to make fun. To take yeah. a bad photo on film, truly, especially if it's professionally professionally lit, and like people have such a fear of film, and I'm just like I'm more afraid of digital because my highlights are going to be like blown out. Like it's just, it's it's so much less forgiving. I think that's it's, it's a lot more technical craft and talent to shoot on digital, and I've kind of learned that the hard way. 
And I have one other question for you. What do you think, as a photographer, what do you think about adding motion and, like, animations to actual still photography and, like, making them, like, like cinemagraph style? Or, like, there's this one suite that I use a lot called Plotiverse. I'm just wondering what your thoughts on that is as, 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 as a fellow photographer. I love it. Yeah, I've, I've experimented with that. And I think especially in the NFT space, there's a ton of room for it. Uh, so I, 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 I love anything that kind of takes like pushes the bounds of a medium and, um, and yeah, the technology in this, in this world, in this, in this NFT world, um, is, is really good. But, but like, yeah, I'm also, I'm also a a purist. So there's nothing like just a fucking black and white portrait on no triax that, yeah, Yeah, I know, I know. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you. you A few, few of those Chaz gold and also the dot Tez. Uh, that really got me. I appreciate it. Thank you for uh, everyone for being here. And for this, we always do a rapid fire, uh, which Danny uh, always lines up well. So are you ready, Julie? I'm going to give it to Danny. And uh, thanks again for sharing some time with us uh, at Investorly uh, for a conversation with. Yeah, yes. Julie, are you ready? I, I could uh, real quick. I just want to um, say that you're you jump on like a a set where you're doing photography and you've just come from like a movie or something and you're like all right all right everybody quiet roll sound and everybody's kind of looks around (laughs) but are you fully ready for uh rapid fire yeah and that's one of the things i love about shooting photos is not having to fucking worry about sound and waiting for a a helicopter that's circling to fuck off but yeah okay i'm ready let's (laughs) let's go very fair. It's time consuming. Uh, yeah. My first question to you is, uh, is there something you do in your daily routine that has contributed to your success? Uh, meditate. Ah, perfect. I like that answer. All right. Next question. What was your very first camera? Uh, Yashica T4 Zoom. Oh, very nice. Okay. And which photographer and director inspires you the most? Uh, photographer, Helmut Newton, filmmaker, Gaspar Noé. Wow. Very good. All right. Uh, growing up in the film industry, you're, I'm sorry, you've been growing up in and around the film industry, obviously. Uh, was there anyone that you met recently that you were starstruck by? Um, I'm trying to, I feel like there's someone on the tip of my tongue. Uh, I met Eli Manning. I'm a a huge sports fan. I love the Giants. I love the Yankees. I don't really get starstruck by people in the entertainment business, but like, if I like, I geeked out. Like, I couldn't talk when I met him. I I just like adore athletes, and um, yeah, I met him not recently, but like, he's the first one that came into my mind of like, oh my god, I flipped out. Perfect and nice guy. Yes, of course. Look at it. I mean, come on. It's Eli Manning. These, these, these <laughs> as nice as they come. Okay, nice. Uh, my very last question for you is, uh, what's your go-to drink after a long week? Uh, go-to drink after a long week? Um, probably like a matcha latte with a little bit of LSD does the trick for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Danny. <laughs> I gotta say, uh, we've done a lot of rapid fire, and I've been willing. Uh, I've been just a willing participant to listening. That was a uh, that was really actually rapid uh, response too. That was good. I thought that was the point. Like I'm not supposed it to is. think. I just go like whatever. I, I yeah. gotta say, you crushed it. It was. You, I mean, it was amazing. Uh, <laughs> good. Also, 
that Eli Manning right there, I think, was the whole alpha of this entire space. Um, never will forget, you know? So, uh, again, um, to tie it all together, thank you uh, so much for joining us on a conversation with this podcast. will be out in a few weeks for a lot of people that are not as familiar with Web3. Uh, as we continue to try to empower more people to invest early in themselves, uh, as you mentioned early on in this conversation, Julie, uh, this is such a wonderful conversation to allow people in the Web2 space to learn more about Web3 and to slowly, gradually uh, come into what I think we all agree upon is the future. So we wish you so much success uh, as you continue working towards that final vision of the Keepers of the Inn becoming I Live Here Now. We'll be keeping in touch and we can't wait to hear more. Thank you so much for your time on a conversation with from Investorly. Love being here, guys. Thank you. Anytime. Uh, let's do it again soon. Yeah, have a wonderful evening. We'd like to thank Julie Pacino and the community for a great conversation. The Investorly podcast is brought to you by Spiderweb Consulting, shaping Web3 with brands, sharing Web3 with users. Stay informed of upcoming episodes, receive our valuable weekly newsletter, and learn to earn by subscribing at investorly.substack.com.